This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. We can access the pathways of transformation within us, understand more deeply the medicine we carry and what it means for our lives and work ahead. There is no time to lose. Humanity and Mother Earth need us. Valeria Tellis interviews Rachel Mann, the author of Love is the Human Way, How Awakened Heart Shamanism Will End Violence and Foster Peace. In her forthcoming book, Rachel Mann, Ph.D., shows through her journey from being a child deeply concerned about the harms of war and violence to becoming a shamanic healer at the age of 46, how to respond to your inner calling to do the same for individuals and or the planet. She has been empowered by wonderful Native teachers to adapt and integrate into her work powerful teachings, practices, and ceremonies, including the Mesa tradition and sound healing from the indigenous peoples of the Andes in Peru, and sacred songs of the Jelagi, Cherokee, with her research and training in psychotherapeutic understandings of the causes, conditions, and treatment of individual and collective trauma. Rachel is a shamanic healer, mentor, and spiritual teacher offering shamanic energy healing sessions, a three-month mentoring program for people harnessing the purpose and highest vision for life, and profound spiritual teachings and wisdom through the Institute for Awakened Heart Shamanism. All of her work is grounded in a deep, earth-inspired, spiritual way of life that helps you build resilience and peace and to hold a resonant vibration of love light for yourself, your loved ones, and the world. If you feel the medicine of healership in your heart and belly, if you have already done some personal healing work and spiritual study, and if you are ready to step up to harness your hard-earned wisdom from surviving and transforming the wounds in your life to become a shamanic healer and visionary for peace, she helps you get there. Meet Rachel at rachelmannphd.com. Here is the interview with Rachel Mann. In your own words, who is Rachel Mann? I am a shamanic healer, mentor, and spiritual teacher who uses integrated, powerful practices and ceremonies, including the Mesa tradition and sound healing from the indigenous Andes in Peru, who are the descendants of the ancient Inca. And I am an enthusiastic Mm -hmm. supporter and helper of others in getting through the things that block them from finding their purpose, manifesting their highest vision in life, their highest dreams and destiny. And I I particularly love to work with people who are 
who are wanting to manifest service in the world as healers and creatives. So is that uh, covering it all, Valeria? Would you call what you do today, the way you navigate this reality, Rachel, a purpose, the purpose of your soul, of your life? Oh, the purpose and mission of my life is to really heal the trauma in the world and to end cycles of violence in all of its forms from subtle to overt and Mm. dream forth a planet of compassion, peace, harmony, and balance. And that mission is to inspire others into to doing this deep inner work, right, um, right. confronting the shadow of these these personal and collective, both recent and ancient traumas within themselves, so that we all manifest, we all hold a higher vibration of peace within ourselves and for the planet as a whole. How did you become aware of this purpose and mission? I remember as a child watching the Vietnam War reported on the daily, nightly news, um, where they would list the numbers of wounded and dead and had images of the war. And that was when I was about six years old. And ever since then, I've had a powerful sense of empathy for the suffering of all beings, the suffering of animals, the suffering of humans, and a, a very keen understanding that this is not the human way. Mm. And that that thread, that theme unfolded in many powerful ways in my life um, as I grew older. Of course, back when I was six years old, I didn't know that I was going to be a healer doing what I'm doing now. But, you know, many, many things came together over time through my academic career and, you know, eventually as I finally stepped in 2007 into becoming uh, a shamanic healer and spiritual teacher. Speaking of the human way, the upcoming title of your book is Love is the Human Way, How Awakened Heart Shamanism Will End Violence and Foster Peace. So I'll be asking you more questions about your new book. But before that, let me ask you the question about being a human body. Do we choose to be in a human body or somehow this is not even a choice given the the conditionings of our minds and bodies? We just come back here automatically. Oh, yes. I I believe that as a soul, we orchestrate the, the incarnation, our incarnations and that we orchestrate the experiences, you know, we orchestrate who our parents are going to be, what our family challenges are going to be. And we also orchestrate whatever the mission and purpose of that life is. You know, that is all orchestrated in alignment within the whole holographic matrix of our, of our soul's individualized presence. So that each lifetime we have is a sort of like a a little crystalline uh, prism within a a great prism Mm, that forms a whole in our journey. And, um, And so in that regard, sure, to go back to the question of how long have I known my mission and purpose? Well, yes, I mean, I feel like I was very, very aware from young childhood that I had this spiritual mission. And then in 
2007 that, you know, many things came to a head uh, that made me step more fully, step fully into manifesting this purpose, this mission to help others heal and to help the planet heal. And so, yes, I, uh, I think it's all orchestrated. Now, I do believe that we have free will. So it, it doesn't mean that it's like um, fate. Yeah. You know, um, we talk shamanically about destiny lines and how we have multiple possible and probable destiny lines. And so there are key choice points in our life where we mm-hmm. get the choice as mm-hmm. to whether we're going to fully manifest the, you know, what we came here to do or not. But there's no such thing as as failure either, because right. in the orchestration of our multiple lives, we have many opportunities yeah. to fulfill the the mission of our greater soul. Yeah. The question I want to ask is about the journey of the soul. Does it have an end or a destination? Well, you know, that's a really interesting question, Valeria, because, um, you know, I, I always talk in my spiritual teachings about how the creation seeks, ever and always seeks experience and ever mm-hmm. and always seeks manifestation in multiple forms, in multiple dimensions. And if you think about the idea that we live in an expanding universe, then what I would say is that the soul is also expanding and seeking experience in some respects just for experience itself. I mean, I believe that we reincarnate like the body, you know, reincarnating in our physical bodies in this this earth plane, this this particular space-time, linear space-time continuum is incredibly seductive. I mean, I had the flashback many, several months ago, that one of the things I know on a soul level that I'm always excited about in terms of incarnating is because I can have relationships with animals. Mm, And um, because I'm such a passionate Mm -hmm. animal lover, you know, and have deep, deep, intimate relationships with my, my cats and dogs. So, so I mean, I, I do think that ultimately the goal is to return back into oneness and to into spirit. But I think it's an ever, ever cycling, beautiful dance. So with that in mind, maybe um, a fun question I usually ask is, what do you love most about being a human body besides that connection with animals? Is there anything else that attracts you here? Well, I mean, I just love the earth. I love Mother Earth. I, I love Pachamama, as she is called in the Quechua language of the indigenous peoples of the Andes. I, you know, I love the flowers. I love, I love embodiment. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that my life has been so, so easy. In fact, my life has had, you know, I've had many, many, many major challenges in my life. But, you know, fundamentally, I know that I find the adventure to be very juicy, to be very, <laughs> to be, you know, like, like, you know, no matter yeah. how hard things have gotten, there's no thought in my mind of like prematurely ending my life to leave because right. there's just so much more to learn and experience. And I know that I can grow even more. And because I love the journey to 
an enlightenment. I just love the path, you know. Right. I love to yeah. hear that. <laughs> Sounds and exciting. I, and I love being. I love being in service <laughs> of others. You know, I love. I love people. I love human beings. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, even though sometimes I don't like certain human beings. Right. Right. Uh, you know, I may even at times feel hatred, you know, yeah. and anger yeah. um, in given moments, which is always a work in progress, you know, to right. to uh, uh, unwind from those kinds of normal human feelings that arise right. in the face of injustice and harm being done to others. But but, you know, but generally, I just love I love it here. About the challenges, would you say that the greatest challenge to be here would be exactly that? acceptance, accepting our own feelings, negative feelings, and negative, per se, people? Is that the greatest challenge? Well, you said it. <laughs> for me, it has been, yeah, for sure. You said it, <laughs> yeah, it has been. I think, um, yes, I, I think that we're returning to love. Yeah. I think that the, the calling mm. is to return to love. And, and um, I, I, you know, I would say unconditional love, but you know, unconditional love doesn't mean that in the physical realm we necess we we excuse or we turn our eyes away from from suffering and pain and harm being done. But I I do believe that there there is a place where we come into this great and all encompassing love, and so that we can even love those who do harm. And and certainly that love encompasses loving ourselves. Yes. You know, loving and learning to love ourselves. I mean, in the westernized world, there's such a what is it? You know, like um so many people are trapped in lack of self-love, yeah. in negative self-talk yes. yeah. and shame and blame. I mean, right now we're living in a in a world that's just filled with shame and blame to the point that, you know, some people are are driven to suicide. But um, so, I mean, I do think that love is the central, the central purpose. Yes. And that is enlightenment. That's what I yeah. believe enlightenment is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A billion times to that. Yeah. It comes to me every time I go through challenges and the split perception about good and bad, the duality thing, then always comes back to me. Love. Oh, and then I just remember that. Yeah. Love is the way. Yeah. Rachel. Yeah. Yeah, love is the human way. And love is, that unconditional love is our birthright. It is it is in our DNA. It is in our genes. It is in our spiritual DNA, our cosmic DNA. And, um, you know, we come here really to find our way back to that, out of separation. Plus, we're in a powerful time now mm, yeah. where we are emerging out of, you know, millennia of separation, of mind of separation. Right. of mind of duality back into complementary interdependence and mm -hmm. and into expanding an understanding of the creative solutions we have to solve all of the problems on the planet. Mm -hmm. So I think in terms of our consciousness, yes, there's a big shift going on. And yes. with that in mind, does it have anything to do with 2020? Do you see any connection between those events and this new awakening expansion of consciousness? Yes, I mean when I'm not caught and when I <laughs> wasn't caught in my in my you know in my horror at what was happening and I you know I'm going to have to be very upfront and say that 
you know, I was not a supporter of uh, President Trump, you know, and and I feel that the the appearance in such uh, an overt way of the racism, the hatred, white supremacy, and you know, this is this is a topic very close to my heart because yeah. I was an anti-racism educator and uh, program developer for many years during my academic career. And the appearance of this shadow of the, and, and, you know, really when you look at it more deeply, it really is an unhealed wound. Yeah, right. And the chaos that has emerged, the chaos that's been created by COVID, the, the chaos that's taking place all around the world, it's not just in the United States, you know, the, the desire to find a scapegoat. I, I, yeah. I, you know, it yeah. is, it is the appearance of profound change. So Carl Jung said that the appearance of a pathology is actually good news because it means that whatever has been suppressed or hidden in the deep subconscious is now ready to be transformed, to be transmuted and to be healed. Right. And of course, I'm seeing in my clients a similar, my healing clients and my mentoring clients, a similar dynamic which is that in the isolation and seclusion of COVID and with all the uncertainty and chaos in the world, that they're beginning to see, even if they've had many, 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 many years of therapy and healing work, and even if before COVID they were doing pretty well, all of a sudden they're seeing new layers, deeper layers of their ancestral wounds, um, as well as old patterns and wounds. And they're stepping up you know, people are stepping up to embrace the path of healing because they know how important it is not only for their own lives, but for the planet. What is your understanding of healing, Rachel? And what are some of the misconceptions we have about healing? Actually, it's interesting you should ask me that because I wrote a blog, oh, about a month ago, is that we think about, we think about healing, all, our, what we believe about healing is all wrong. What I really meant is that, and you know, over many years in my own healing journey, I, I took advantage of many kinds of modalities, you know, including talk therapy, trauma-informed talk therapy, energy healing, psychodrama, hypnotherapy, um, shamanic energy healing. And, um, you know, I, I think that, that one misunderstanding of healing is that we can talk our way into being healed. Many of my clients come to me and say, I've been in talk therapy for two years, three years, on and off for the past, you know, 15 years. And while it has helped me some, it hasn't really gotten to the heart of the problem. There's still places where I feel very stuck. So I think healing is really a multidimensional process that needs to include body, mind, emotions, soul, and spirit. And that means that, you know, and, and I also always say that, isn't it wonderful that the creator God gave us so many different tools Mm -hmm. to help us survive, to help us heal, to help us grow. So, I believe that that healing has to be addressed on all those levels. And I also, of course, am very committed to the idea that energy healing and somatic body-based approaches are very, very important, mm-hmm. particularly if somebody has experienced really deep trauma right. 
I think ultimately the the path of healing is certainly to bring yourself to a greater sense of inner harmony, peace, balance, to be able to have joy, to have a sense of fulfillment, you know, good relationships, all of those things, right? Right, right? But healing also really ends up becoming a spiritual journey. Yeah. Because when we really engage deeply with our inner self, which ultimately all healing involves, it really leads us back to our greater self, to our higher self, to our soul. And it leads us back to questions about the nature of reality, of creation, of the existence of God creator, and of the uh, feeling of, you know, that there there is... And, and of an, a feeling or an understanding that there is more to this world than just this reality. Right. So in that regard, healing is spiritual and spirituality is healing. What I wonder a lot of times, and I ask the question, is if it is possible to access the spirit without challenges, without the suffering. Is that possible? Yeah, this is actually... <laughs> This is actually something that's often on my mind and that I often say to my students in my classes and to my clients, my mentoring and healing clients. I'll always remember when I was in a 10-day silent meditation retreat with Buddhist teacher Jack Kornfield. And in one of his Dharma talks, he, he said that in Buddhism, he was taught that there are three paths to enlightenment. The first path is the path of hard work. The second is the path of ecstasy. And the third path is the path of suffering. And this just so much really struck me because, you know, in, in many ways it explains why, how and why people are in different places in terms of their personality and how they are when they are engaged in any kind of spiritual search, you know, what drives them to that place? I mean, do they... Have they had experiences of powerful ecstasy? Do they experience the world as filled with joy and peace? And that that keeps them on the path to stay connected in communion with that natural energy? Right. Or have they been motivated as I have been through suffering and through loss and through the desire to heal our trauma? And of course, in the world today, really trauma is is a very huge force, right? Mm. Yeah. It's a very big experience in, yeah. you know, many people's lives around the world, whether it's from family trauma or group trauma, or whether it's from war or genocide or, you know, environmental destruction. I mean, it's along the spectrum. And so what I do know from my own spiritual growth and my spiritual explorations that more and more as, as, as you heal deeper and the deep layers of the suffering within you, that you do become more and more joyful and more and more plugged into that natural joy and into that ecstasy. And so I think that even through the path of suffering, we have the opportunity to shift to the path of ecstasy, to the path of love mm -hmm. as a means of growing and expanding on a soul level in a human body. Yeah, so there are many paths and we can go through all of them, actually, without even knowing that we are going through them in a way. And the other thing I want to just say about that is that I don't want people to hear 
the statement that you don't have to learn from and grow from suffering and then suddenly feel badly about themselves because right. they have so much suffering, right. you know, right. um, and right. then to go into that shame blame cycle. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my last warm up question for you, Rachel, is freedom. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? That's a great question. Um, I pray for freedom for myself and others. Freedom, freedom really means to me to be free from suffering. Freedom also therefore means to be able to live, speak, walk, talk, love, to be my authentic self, to have courage, and to be able to fully manifest my creative and spiritual gifts in the world fully. And, you know, I am seeking enlightenment in this life. I'm very motivated by that. Yeah. And I believe that, and I've had moments of enlightenment in my life where I've tasted that freedom, where the the, the veil between the worlds has thinned, mm-hmm. you know, my consciousness has expanded, and I felt that freedom. I believe, again, that that's everyone's birthright. And in that freedom, then, one can live and be in a human body and yet and yet not be so trapped or so caught in mind of separation and in, you know, in suffering. And I distinguish pain from suffering because, you know, as the Buddha said, we're all going to experience pain, you know, like I'm going to stub my toe occasionally, but it's the suffering, it's the story, it's the everything that is the causes and conditions around it that create the suffering. I love what you said about joy being this, almost the manifestation of that connection with the spirit, a way of knowing that. When you talk about freedom, the mind goes there again. Freedom, joy, that's how we can tell in a way, right, Rachel? That we are there, or that we are recognizing that space in ourselves, that we are already free. There's no pursuing freedom. Yeah, we are already free. It is our birthright, and it's just finding our way back, remembering that through communion with Mother Earth, with the great beings of light, powers and helpers, you know, our guides, our guardians, with the divine cosmic mother and father, yes. So you are um, writing the book. Did you finish the book? I'm not sure that. That's already finished, right, Rachel, the manuscript? No, 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 no. It's in partial stages of completion, but I am seeking uh, publishers uh, right now for the book and um, anticipate that it will be coming out in the next year. The title is Love is the Human Way. I love that. Two initial questions. How did you become a writer? Why did you decide to become a writer? And what was the inspiration to write your book? Well, I've been a writer since I was a child. I mean, I, again, remember being in elementary school, maybe first or second grade, and we were told to write a short essay of like three sentences, and I ended up writing a tome. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and so writing is my, is my craft. It is my, my main creative outlet. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been writing all of my life. And, of course, I became a professional writer in the sense that I became a published writer you know, back in my 30s during my academic career. And, um, you know, I've been actually working on several books, really, it's like embarrassing to say, but I've been working on several books on and off over the past 25 years. And, 
you know, due to, you know, the demands of life and, and work and, and also really getting very clear about my mission and message. You know, there's, there's been delays, but, you know, last year with everything going down in my country, in the United States, I mean, I say my country because I assume your listeners are from all around the world. Yes. So, you know, really when things came to a head before the U.S. elections and, you know, white supremacy was out on display and and I just had this like visceral knowing that this is the time for my book to come out because my book is basically I show in the book, I tell the story about my journey from being a child deeply concerned about the harms of war and violence to how I became a shamanic healer at the age of 46 and how those two things are interconnected, personal and collective healing, and then coming into service through our personal healing and through serving others with our the medicine that we each carry as, as healers and to be in service to healing others in the planet as we go through this great time of chaos and change and transition, and as we dream a new earth of peace, compassion, and love into being. Thank you for the gift that you're offering us. I love the way you say that, too, the medicine we carry, right? The medicine of healing we all carry. Yeah. Yeah, beautifully written and said, and true, very much true. So talk to me for a moment about shamanism. What is it? Ah. (laughs) So shamanism, just briefly, is is a... Shaman, the word shaman and shamanism were words that were borrowed from the Tungus-speaking people in Siberia um, by a Western scholar and writer named Mircea Eliade. And then it was then picked up by, you know, historians, anthropologists, religious study scholars, and so on. And it was applied to describe, you know, essentially the healing and ritual practices of native cultures, of non-Western cultures. Many native groups, indigenous, some, you know, many indigenous native peoples object to the word because of its origins and because it has been indiscriminately used to um, categorize their spirituality and cultures and practices without any input from them. So, you know, because Mm -hmm. I am concerned about not wanting to do harm, I I ultimately decided to fall on describing shamanism as. A, an emerging, emergent, spiritual, and healing slash therapeutic movement that integrates the spiritual and healing practices of Native peoples around the world with into a Western context. If Native or Indigenous peoples choose to, they can call their culture shamanic or their practices shamanism, but I don't choose to do that. Now, as far as my awakened heart shamanism, which is what I call my my particular practice, I call it an earth-inspired, heart-grounded, soul-awakening, spirit-shaking, mm. spiritual way of life oh, wow. that 
accesses all the multidimensional beings from Mother Earth, all our relations, the rock, stone people, tree plant people, all those that walk, swim, crawl, and fly, as well as all the, you know, angelic beings, the spirits of the mountains and so on, that are eager and willing to help us. So um, that's, that's shamanism from my point of view. That makes a lot of sense to me, and it is a healing method, but it, there's a lot more into it. Yeah, well, to make it in a short sentence, because, you know, I'm an yeah. old professor, and I can't <laughs> not be, I can't be short, <laughs> yeah. but the short sentence is that shamanism in the Western world is a healing and spiritual mm-hmm. way of connecting deeply to oneself through communion with the earth and with the beings of light guardians, powers, and helpers in other dimensions. It's very clear and very wonderful to me. It sounds almost like a song, the way you say that too. So talk to me about your services, the shamanic energy healing and the three-month shamanic mentoring program. Do you offer them online? Yes. So, well, so the shamanic energy healings, yes, I offer one-on-one shamanic energy healing sessions. They usually go about an hour and a half. Um, And in that healing session, we basically talk about whatever it is with my, I talk with my client about whatever it is they feel they're there for, what their blocks are, what they want in their life, what isn't working. We hone in on the intention. And then I essentially put them on a massage table and I start to do sacred songs, rattling, chanting. I'm cleansing and cleaning the energy body of heavy energies, which can be deeply impacted over years. I'm cleaning out the chakras and what are called the four temples. And I'm also, shamanic energy healing also includes a very powerful practice of journeying to the inner self or the subconscious in order to extract the roots of the woundings that are, that are constellated within the psyche, the soul, the energy body of the individual. And this is a very powerful practice because it can really, really powerfully change one's inner and outer reality, in some cases, very quickly. Now, um, and then I do soul retrieval, which is calling back lost parts of self, but also bringing in yet-to-be-manifested parts of self. So this could include creative gifts and aspects of self. And there are all sorts of other tools that I I carry in my medicine basket of love for an energy healing. And it all just depends upon what's what's going on with the individual, with the client, and what also I'm guided to do in the course of the session. Um, The three-month mentoring program I started doing in 2018 in the fall because, you know, honestly, when I was on my healing journey, I took advantage of many different modalities that I used together, you know, like talk therapy, trauma healing therapy, um, energy healing, shamanic energy healing, um, and so on. Uh, As I said, hypnotherapy and psychotherapy. So, And I realized that many of my individual healing sessions, I was not able in the time allowed to bring these other tools that I have in my medicine basket of love, which would be extremely helpful to clients. And because I have clients who come to me who are often dealing with trauma, in particular, I have training in 
the psychology and psychotherapy of trauma healing and PTSD. I also had a lot of clients coming to me who really wanted not just to do any trauma healing that might be left, but also wanted to really know their purpose and finally step towards their their mission in life to be in service to others creatively, whether it meant to write a book or means to write a book or you know, open a nonprofit or become a healer themselves. And so I realized that I have the so many tools that I can bring to bear in kind of a one-stop shopping, so to speak, right, right, um, for right. a client. And so we work together over three to four months in nine sessions. And I do a combination of all of these different um, approaches, including shamanic energy healing sessions in order to bring uh, a client to a really powerful transformation and shift in them in their inner selves and in their outer lives. And that shift generally always happens. Um, that's, that's the two main pieces. I also teach um, Awakened Heart Shamanism and the Awakened Heart Mesa tradition in classes both online and hopefully with COVID being you know, somewhat managed uh, in person soon. Mm-hmm. I love your work, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you, Valeria. Yeah. Yeah, it's what we need for sure, all of us. <laughs> I'm listening to you. I'm thinking here, oh my God, I'd love to meet her for one of those sessions and then bring all ah. my family, everybody <laughs> should, should do that. Well, good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You'd be you. welcome to. Yes, we'll talk after the interview for sure. You sent me a few pages from your book, upcoming book, and I've read something. I have something here, a passage that I absolutely loved too. You say, we can access the pathways of transformation within us, understand more deeply the medicine we carry and what it means for our lives and work ahead. There is no time to lose. Humanity in Mother Earth need us. That just kind of um, melted my heart, (laughs) just um, reading this. When I think about nature and what it has been through because of the human, uh, unfortunately, I don't know what to call that, not ignorance, but really we have lost the way, right, Rachel? That's what it was. I don't know how that happened, but we did. Yeah, we we have we lost our way, but you know, I I also believe that it it was purpose. It's been purposeful. Right. In some ways, I I believe we were meant to walk in separation in order mm-hmm. to then, right. you know, go on the journey to return to um, communion and to love. Yeah. And how powerful it is when you have lived in separation. How much more profoundly grateful and joyful you are when you know that that love and you find your way back to that deep communion with yourself your highest self your inner self and with the earth and all beings yeah it's a profound kind of joy being aware of this play of life right that we are here to experience everything yeah that's that's a great great words the display of life i love that yeah exactly yeah so I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything? Yeah, I'll just add that I have studied in an, a, a number of wisdom lineages, including the Cherokee, obviously the Buddhists that I've mentioned, yeah. 
And um, as I said, um, I have training and lots of research uh, in in uh, trauma and and healing, you know, academic research. But you know, the lineage the lineage that I am most deeply connected to is the lineage from the Andes in Peru. And the indigenous peoples of the Andes um, that these lineages come through are the descendants of the ancient Inca. And I consider myself really uh, a bridge to bring that beautiful cosmology of unconditional love and healing and transformation to to the, the westernized world. And... Because it's, it's, it's incredibly powerful on every level. It's incredibly powerful as a healing system. It's incredibly powerful as a spiritual way of life. And indeed, you know, I haven't even talked to you about the amazing ceremonies mm, uh-huh. that I have, fire ceremonies, uh-huh. ceremonies of flowers and waters, prayer ceremonies that I have also in my medicine basket of love. Um, that can be done individually or in community that are basically from the Andes and and thus have a direct link to the ancient Inca. Right. So, and, and I believe that doing practices like this, I mean, I'm not one that says my way is the only way. Right. I believe that every path is beautiful and powerful and each person finds their the path that resonates with them. But I, you know, and I believe that this particular, this particular spiritual pathway has so much to offer the world and so much to offer individuals as they find their way out of suffering into joy and unconditional love. Trying to imagine the basket of love, a medicine basket of love. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, beautiful. Well, you know, <laughs> those of us who are in the earth-inspired shamanic world, we just love stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. We collect stones and feathers and bells and rattles and drums and, you know, you name yeah. it. So we have to carry around a big, ginormous <laughs> basket to carry all this stuff around you know (laughs) true yeah beautiful name I love the label so my last questions to you I have three of them what is another word for healing transformation that's what I would say Mm -hmm. and if you knew you would lose the body soon would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way oh yes I would no, fundamentally, no. But, you know, I probably would have stepped up to become a healer, shamanic healer and spiritual teacher much earlier. Right. You know? Yeah. Yes, I can see that. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, you know, that would be the only thing, you know, but, but, uh, and of course, I would have published a book or two <laughs> yes. already. But on the other hand, I've just come to an acceptance that, you know, the timing is what the timing is, and then it's divine timing. Yeah. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Three things that I know about life for sure as of this moment? Yeah. I know that life is beautiful. I know that life is complex. And I know that life is filled with love and connection and joy. Thank you so much again, Rachel, for your 
beautiful, clear message and wisdom, the work, compassionate work of helping others, for being aware of your purpose and everything in between that can be felt. Thank you. Thank you so much, Valeria. It's been such a pleasure to connect with you. You're just amazing too with your compassion and spirit and love and joy. So thank you. It's It's been really great to talk to you. It has been fun, spiritual fun, I call it. Spiritual fun, (laughs) yeah. These conversations. (laughs) And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Okay. Well, you can go to my, I've got two websites. So I have Rachel Mann, PhD, that's R-A-C-H-E-L-M-A-N-N-P-H-D.com. That's where you can find out about my healing my shamanic healing sessions, and my mentoring program. You can go to www.instituteforawakenedheartshamanism.com and there you can find information about my, my programs, my classes, as well as links to a few free on-demand classes that you can sign up for. I am signing on. Uh, a new cohort of three-month mentoring clients. I have six slots open right now. So Wonderful. I'll have those two links on your podcast profile. I have them here. Great. If you have any more links that you want to send me, please email me and I'll have it there. Okay, great. Yes. Thank you so much again, Rachel. And we'll talk soon. Thank you, Valeria. Thank you. Yes. Bye for now. Be well. Bye. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Rachel Mann and her work, please visit rachelmannphd.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.